remain standing a moment longer as we read this morning's gospel. I'll be reading from the gospel according to Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse 33. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The word of God for the people of God. God. You may be seated. As I mentioned earlier, this is uh, the third uh, week in a series on extravagant generosity. I wonder how many of you have seen the movie The Bucket List with Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson. I see some heads uh, going up and down acknowledging uh, watching that movie. Uh, In that movie, there are a couple of men. Men from different walks of life, different backgrounds, but they have a common experience. They are given a, a terrible diagnosis uh, at the hospital. They both uh, are told uh, they have terminal lung cancer. And while at the hospital, uh, they, they put their heads together and they develop a list of all the things they wish they could do, all the things uh, uh, that le- was, are left undone. Uh, in their, uh, given of their uh, diagnosis and prognosis, they sense an urgency and they, they put together this list and they commit to one another to, to travel together and to do these things that make up their bucket list. So I wonder, of course that movie probably stimulated a lot more of this, but I wonder how many of us have our own bucket list. We may not have that kind of an urgency, But certainly, especially as we grow older, I wonder how many of us have ever thought about the ways, the things that we would like to do, the things that we might leave undone, how we might accomplish them, how we might do them. So I want you to consider, just for a moment, consider what you would like to happen in your life. What are those kinds of things that you would like to happen in the last year's of your life. In what ways, now a second question, in what ways do your passions or those desires for what you would like to have happen in your life, in what ways might they align with your passions for the church? Do those kinds of personal desires, your wants, your bucket list kinds of things, do they match up or is there any similarity or alignment with the passions that you have in your faith? Well, today we've been given an opportunity. We've, we've talked a little bit about vision and a little bit about hope. Uh, we've sang about vision. We've, we've had a storyteller share her uh, ideas of hopes and her visions. Uh, we've heard Ricky talk uh, to the children uh, about their superpowers and their encouragement to help our own shaping of of visions, uh, and so we have this opportunity to yet again consider visions and hopes and then to evaluate those in the light of God. What are God's purposes for us and how do those visions and hopes line up? I want to share with you uh, that passage of Scripture that Ricky told uh, the young ones that I would share. This comes from Joel, the second chapter, verse 28. Then afterward I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. 
So I think it's fair to say that the prophet Joel offers us direction as we search for these things that we might have on our bucket list. We are encouraged, we're reminded that this is normal, that this is part of the process, I think, uh, of growing, that we have these visions and these hopes. They come to all of us. It's not uh, relegated to a, a limited number of people who, who step out in some leadership role, but we're all encouraged. We're all reminded that we are indeed people who have visions and dreams for our futures. It is a blessing of God to have a vision. But I think the challenge for people of faith is what do we set our hearts upon? I want to read to you from Colossians 3. 3.1. So if, and the, and the key word that I want you to hear, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So here the writer is instructing us to set our our hopes, our visions, not on the things that, that we more often than not focus on, those things of the world, uh, those challenges, some might say they're distractions, but we're, we're reminded that if we are to be followers of Christ, then there is a higher calling than our simple human kinds of passions, wants, and desires. We are called to set our minds on the heart of Christ. This is where God has enlisted for us these purposes that God has for our living. And we face these distractions of the world regularly. As soon as you turn on your television, more often than not, you're distracted. As soon as you open up a a book or a magazine, more often than not, we are distracted away from God's purposes into someone else's. We're invited into someone else's life, and it takes conscious decisions, it it, it takes priority making to, to put us in places such as worship, uh, places where uh, we might be intentional about studying Scripture, in other words, reading our Bibles, not just in Sunday school class, but I I suggest to you every day. Uh, Devotional time, prayer time, these things are where we come across God's purposes for our lives. Culture can overwhelm us, and so we need to constantly be reminded that this call to righteousness, not our own righteousness or the righteousness of the world, but God's righteousness is where we find our priorities. Tolstoy, uh, in his book, How Much Land Does a Man Need?, uh, shares a character by the name of Packham. Now, Packham uh, inherited some land from his family, and he was farming his land faithfully. Uh, but as the occasion was, Packham had an opportunity Uh, to save up some money, and he saved up money, he sacrificed, and then he bought some additional land that he could farm. This did not satisfy Packham. Packham decided, after hearing about a a faraway place that had land that was cheaper, he sold everything that he and his family had worked for and the additional land that he had saved up for. He sold all that and moved his family to this place where more land could be purchased for that same amount of money. And yet Packham was still not satisfied. Packham then heard about an incredible offer the king, the ruler of the land, had. And it was this kind of an offer that drove Packham to yet again pack up his family. The the incredible uh, opportunity was this, that 
uh, the king would be willing to give an amount of land that anyone could walk around. In other words, if you could spend one day from sunset to sundown walking land, the king would graciously give you that amount of land. Packham thought that was a, a, a great opportunity. He, he went there. The king's men at sun, uh, at sun up drove a stake in the ground and said, you must return to the stake by sunset in order for you to have this land. So Packham set out. He, he decided that if he ran, he could cover more territory. He could, he could accumulate more land. So he set out running. And, and uh, about midday, he decided he better turn back and head back for home. But on the way back, he saw this really lush piece of ground that he, he thought it would be worth uh, just going out of the way a little bit to, to, to include in his uh, marking of his land. And so he set out and brought in that lush land, that little valley that he saw. He realized after making that little detour that, that he was going to be tight on time. So he decided he needed to run again. And just a few feet from that stake, as sunset was approaching, Packham passed out and died. Never having accumulated that land. So Tolstoy asked the question again, how much land does a man need? Tolstoy said about six feet from head to toe. <laughs> Friends, I share that story with you because it can provide a little bit of balance, I think, for us. And we need that balance. We need the perspective to know that these lives that we live are designed to be in tune with God. But the God that we worship does not force that upon us. We are given freedom to choose. We have free will. We, we're given the opportunity to make our own priorities. And while, yes, we need to be reminded about God's desire and God's priorities that God wants for us, God will not force that upon us. Let me read to you again Matthew six thirty-three. But strive first for the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew tells us, Matthew sets before us this notion that it is God's righteousness that we should pursue. It's God's kingdom that our eternal sights are set on, but it's in the here and the now, friends, that we make choices. Choices that affect ourselves, choices that affect our communities, our world, and yes, our eternal lives. But it starts here and now. We are to strive for righteousness. I think when we strive for righteousness, if we're talking about extravagant generosity, we should be reminded, biblically, there are several times throughout Scripture where God addresses generosity. I want to share with you just a few this morning. In Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we have a story where Jesus calls attention to this woman uh, who is a widow. This woman who gives a very small amount of money. But as Jesus points out to those around him, we know the story is the widow's might. He says that she gives out of her poverty. And so Jesus is not praising for the amount of money that this woman gives, but it is the proportion of her giving that he praises her for. Generous in her heart and generous in her actions. In Luke 19, 1 through 10, we have the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Zacchaeus, who 
who scampers up a tree, a sycamore tree, so that he can see the approaching Jesus coming into town. And what does Jesus do? Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I need to eat with you today. And it is in that encounter with Jesus that Zacchaeus' life is transformed. Zacchaeus is changed. Zacchaeus changes his ways because he has encountered Jesus Christ. And Zacchaeus begins to be extravagantly generous and repent in everything that he has done. Friends, how do we respond as we encounter the risen Christ? In Luke chapter 10, we have the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan. A Samaritan uh, story where uh, a stranger is cared for. Two strangers. One stranger taking care of another stranger. Not just in the short term, but providing long-term care for someone that he has never met. Someone who is not like him. Someone from a faraway place. And yet, this stranger knows no bounds with generosity. And yet, our world says... Our world invites us to be divisive, to hide behind man's law, to do things that God would not be pleased with in our generosity. So we're challenged to be aligned with God's purposes, no more so than in God's own generous giving of His own Son into this world. Jesus, who is the Christ, Jesus who comes into the world, Jesus who who bears our burdens, dies for our sin rises for our sake and gives us life, God's greatest gift of love. We're challenged to be aligned with God's purposes. We need to be reminded of all that God has called us to be as faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Let me read to you another passage of Scripture. This is Philippians 4.13. This is the Apostle Paul. I'm going to read 11, excuse me, 11 through 13. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it, is, what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Friends, Paul learned to be content in his life. He doesn't say it comes easy. It comes with practice. It comes with regular practice of our faith. To read scripture, to be people of prayer, to be people who gather with other people, to to be refreshed, to be renewed, to be recreated regularly so that we can go back out into the world and the world can see us as faithful followers of Christ. When we talk in terms of generosity, our, our vision and our hope ought to reflect our commitment as God is committed to us of being generous with our actions, of being generous with our time, our efforts, our prayers, our presence, and yes, friends, our giving. Our church, a couple of years ago, formed a vision, a vision for the church, a vision that can help us as individuals. If you'll take your bulletin and look at the front cover, that is where our vision statement, we regularly put it in print, so that you can see the vision that your church leaders have cast for our church. We are a people of grace. Read with me. We are a people of grace, love, and hope who faithfully participate in a way of life that includes learning, growing, giving, and serving God. Friends, we are reminded 
This is the righteousness, some of the righteousness that, that, that is spoken about in Scripture. Ask yourselves, do your, does the vision for you, does the vision for your family, does it include learning? Does it include growing? The opportunity to be transformed, much like Zacchaeus perhaps, as he encountered Christ. Does it include giving? And does it include serving? We are people invited to be extravagant with our generosity. Don't just think of that as finances. Yes, it does mean finances, but it also means with ourselves. Make that a part of your vision. Make that a part of your commitment, of your priorities. After all, we are created in the image of our God who is filled with love, extravagant love, and extravagant generosity. As we prepare our hearts to come to the table this morning, I hope that you will keep those thoughts in your mind as you come and receive this gracious, generous gift that God has prepared for us this day. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.